Hey y'all, part three coming up here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, the Saturday, May 28th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, we talked a lot of Auburn football to wrap up here on this Memorial Day weekend uh, with Justin Hook Hansen um, of Auburn Live. Uh, we talked about uh, just where Auburn is, Brian Harson's tenure uh, thus far, differences between him and Gus, uh, the quarterback battle, why Zach Calzada is the favorite there, it looks like, uh, how Auburn is approaching NIL, uh, why there is reason for optimism with the schedule, why they need someone to break out out wide, Derek Mason's departure, Harson now having all of his Boise guys in there. Um, all that and more with Justin on uh, the final portion of today's edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, don't forget, folks, you can tweet at me at Chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com. Type in the Chase Thomas podcast. You'll find us there. All kinds of great video clips and all that stuff. Um, let's see what else. Oh, read me sports renaissance man.substack.com new piece out this morning on Tennessee baseball and their big victory over LSU late, late in the evening last night, uh, sports renaissance man.substack.com type your email and never miss any of my written content. Uh, but yeah. All right. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this uh, on a Friday afternoon with Auburn's, one of my favorite Auburn beat writers, Justin Hokinson is here. Justin, good afternoon, sir. How are you? What's up, Chase? How are you, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, is it weird just not being at the, the center of SEC drama for the first time in a while? It feels like the Brian Harson stuff and him uh, going around different cars to avoid media, that feels like forever ago. That is that is old news. It's all about uh, Jimbo and Nick now. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like a, a long time ago. I think by the time fall rolls around, um, it'll seem like a really long time ago um, mm. until until they, you know, they were to lose to Penn State or things start start going bad, and then it'll, it'll come back up pretty quickly. But, uh, yeah, that was a wild month of February um, mm. in Auburn. Really, really odd, really odd time. Um, I think there's a lot of positive things that have happened since then in terms of, of, of the culture and things behind the scenes of, of him trying to connect with the players. And just there's been some good things, but that can only go so far. Um, you got to win games in the fall. And so I think there's been some good strides made where he can make them until you win games if that makes sense so they're kind of in a holding pattern i would say in terms of how the fans are viewing um the team in the season mm-hmm. um i think now it's just name a starting quarterback <clears throat> see if fans get behind him and then and then go put go, go put a product on the field in year two and and then see what it looks like well we'll hold the quarterback uh discussion because i am curious about how that's yeah. going because it's a four team four guy battle um but when you look at it, you int- you mentioned the fans. How much of it is the fans? How much of it is the boosters? How much is it the administration? Like, are they? Is it different things that Harson's still having to kind of work through? Because I just it, it's such a weird, complicated situation, and I think Auburn and the fan base and just uh, the the way it's operated the last couple of years kind of reminds me. I mean, I'm up here in Knoxville and. Uh, we it can get crazy sometimes where there's a disconnect where the fans want one thing, the administration wants the other. Um, there's just 
it's hard to know who's running Tennessee sometimes. And yeah. um, thankfully, that's not the case right now. Uh, it seems pretty clear, and we're we're in good shape across the board. But um, at Auburn, how how does that work at the moment? Um, I mean, it's a similar deal. I mean, Auburn, you know, the, the booster involvement at Auburn has always been, uh, I would say an issue one way mm. or the other. I mean, let's just say it's been an issue. Um, and that's not changing anytime soon. Um, just, just because of the dynamics of it and who's kind of still in play. And so, um, it's not changing anytime soon. We'll see. I mean, Auburn's kind of going through, they have a brand new president taking, taking the reins, they have Alan Green at AD, who we'll see if he's around after February. That that's kind of up in the air. I think those some of those same boosters probably would you know don't wouldn't mind if he left as well. So it's, it's a weird situation, um, and and you know that caused a lot of the the strife in February. I mean, you mm-hmm. had guys that you know Auburn's a deal where when that when that job is open, you have boosters that 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 that, that kind of jockey and, and everybody kind of wants their guy. I say everybody. There's a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened was Brian Harson wasn't wanted by any of them. They all got huh. shut down. I mean, Kevin Steele was being pushed by one by some big boosters to take over the program. That got nixed when it got leaked, and the fans basically revolted. And, and there was a huge backlash against that. Um, and it caused some issues to where the president at the time, Goosh, had to basically say, all right, we're going to do a search. He, he had to kind of put a pause on the whole thing and take the reins back. And that's where mm. Alan Green got a little bit more flexibility to go uh, hire Brian Harson. So Brian Harson stepped into a situation where he already was not the choice by boosters. They were mad they didn't get their guy. So he, he stepped into a situation where he already was uh, fighting an uphill battle. And then, you know, did he know this, that though going in? Did he know the boosters did not want him? You know, I don't know. Um, I do not know. I would have to think. I don't know to what depths. I would have mm. to think he he. Uh, I would have to think some people talked to him. Um, about, hey, here's kind of the dynamic. Here's sort mm-hmm. of how this thing went down. You know, just just here's how Auburn works. But I'm not sure he understood the depths of it until February. I think February he was like, whoa, <laughs> this, is, this is crazy. Um, but I'm not sure he fully understood what was going on behind the scenes before he ever arrived and what he stepped into and the way those boosters operate. I'm not sure. He knows mm-hmm. now, unfortunately. Um, and so uh, – yeah, it was a weird deal. And so that's that's what complicates the issue for Auburn going into the season is people keep asking me, well, what, what what's a good, you know, is he on the hot seat? And, and one and two, if he is, what's a good season? Is it seven wins? Is it eight wins? It's not that simple because of what happened in February. He could go mm-hmm. win eight games, but if there's still people that, if Alan Green somehow is, is on the way out in February, you have a new AD potentially, uh, you have boosters that may or may not still be – they might still be against Brian Harson as the head coach. Eight wins is only part of the equation. I mean, there's just – there's so it's a very complicated deal. It's not as simple as win eight games, and and, and that, that'll appease a bunch of people. There's a bunch of boosters that are mad that they didn't get their way. So it's a it's going to be a weird fall. Even if he wins games, there's still going to be a lot of stuff going on trying to gauge sort of where things are at. But if you're Brian, like how do you how do you get in their good graces? How do you get in the boosters' good graces and show them that you're – Hey, you may not have been their first choice, but like, hey, I'm doing my best and I can make this work. I just need you guys to believe in me. Like, what can he actually do behind the um, scenes? Except yeah, winning that, games, yeah. That's tough for somebody like Brian Harson. I mean, mm. one right, one win games. Two, uh, you know, appease them, play to them, placate to them. Um, you know, show them a little bit of favoritism. Um, 
and things like that, right? That you, you know, these these guys give millions of dollars. They're expecting to be able to call you and you answer. Did um, guys do that and, well? Uh, not great. Hmm. I mean, Gus is Gus is Gus is similar. Gus and Brian are are different, but they're both similar in the fact that they they want to do things. Gus is sort of he wants to do his, his things. He's a little paranoid, a little shut off. Brian is just Brian Harson is is just extremely confident mm. and and stubborn and 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 he is not going to be pushed around and he's not going to 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 bow down to any wishes or anything that they if those boosters think the program should be run a certain way Harson's not the guy he's just <laughs> not the guy so it, you have a battle of wills in a way mm. um, and that's what happened in February you had you had these guys trying to create a situation. Um, to make it untenable or maybe Brian Harson said, and Brian Harson said, I'm not going anywhere. You can buy me out. Mm. You can investigate me, whatever you want to do. I'm not stepping down. And so you had this battle of wills. And and so that's the way Harson is. And so, you know, I would think the only way this thing works out is if Harson really, really turns it around and, and almost has to win games to the point where the boosters just go fine. Like there will almost have to be like some reckoning at some point for them to work it out or it's, or it's not, or it's not going to work. That's, I feel like long-term it's hard to, it's hard to imagine it working. Mm. Um, just because of the nature of the relationships right now, um, it could, it just would take some winning from Harson and some, and just a reckoning of both sides going, all right, like, let's just go win games and, and they all cool down at some point, but it won't be, probably won't be this fall. That's interesting. He kind of sounds like Dan Mullen in a little bit, uh, in a little bit of ways. Well, Dan Mullen's a, Dan, <laughs> I don't, you know, I didn't cover Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen comes off, um, in a in a in more of a, a childish way harson's just uh he's just simple i mean harson just it's black and white with him hmm. do it this way this is how we're gonna win if you don't you're not gonna be here or you know what we don't have much to talk about it's just it's just how he looks at things it's not complicated to him do it or don't this is how it's gonna be or not how it's gonna be and so it's he's just that guy so if you get on board with him if you notice some of the players that love him hmm. Derek hall and some of those guys they're similar in nature some of the guys that left the program are not, they don't vibe with that. And so it's kind of, you're all in or you're all out. He, he's a hard one to, he's a hard one to, uh, you know, either you're all in with him or you're just, or you're really not going to vibe with him. Um, but that goes both ways. That was one of the issues Harson and some of the, some of the complaints in the, in the program were that he wasn't maybe trying to connect as much as he could, maybe a little bit more empathy for some of these kids that come from, you know, inner city mobile or any mm. inner city Atlanta or whatever. Uh, and so I think that's one of the areas he's working hard on behind the scenes and his staff is, Hey, yes, it's our way or the highway. I mean, yes, it's going to be do it or, you know, or don't be a part of the program, but how do we, how do we show a little bit more empathy to certain kids that aren't maybe getting it like others? You know what I mean? How do we sort of lean into those guys? We don't have to lean into Derek Hall. Dude's a hard mm. worker. He gets it, but somebody else might, we might have to put, pay a little bit more attention to, we can't just say do it or don't you're out, you're in. And so I think there's a lot of work behind the scenes being done in, in that regard. Is that how tanks wired? Is that why he's able to get tank to not transfer this off season? Um, <clears throat> tank has a really good relationship with Carnell Williams. And so I think hmm. that, that really helped. Um, I think that really helped. I mean, tanks, tanks a little bit different guy. I wouldn't say he's completely wired that way, but tank really likes Auburn and has a good trusting relationship with Carnell. And so I think they were able to tell him, lay, look, come back for one year. You're going to go pro next year. You're mm -hmm. not going to stay as a senior. Come back. Uh, you have an offensive line that's coming back. We don't know how good, how much better they're going to be, but you do have a bunch of veterans. Um, come back 
and, and look, we'll throw you the ball. We'll do all these things with you. But I think Carno Williams, if Carno Williams is not part of the picture, um, they probably don't hold on to him. Interesting. No. Um, well, when you look at this offense, because they they've been through a lot of coordinators already on the offensive side of the ball since Harson's yeah. been there. Um, but when you look at this offense and where they're headed uh, going into this spring, I mean, you have a lot of different guys in the kitchen, quarterback wise. Who is there even a leader in the pack right now uh, among the four? No, I would say no. Um, so no one showed out really in spring ball. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there was some good things that happened. Um, I'm not sure. There's a leader. There's definitely not a leader in the coach's eyes. There's maybe mm-hmm. expectations. There's expectations from the fans. There's expectations probably from the coaches. If you got them in a room and just privately said, "Hey, who do you think?" They probably have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, you have T.J. Finley who comes back and who shows good leadership skills. He's a good teammate. He obviously was in the offense last year, so there's a little bit of experience there with him in the system. Robbie Ashford comes in, who's a really, really good athlete, but still has a ways to go in terms of just learning to play the position, but his athleticism is intriguing. Um, and then you have Zach Calzada, who they, you know, that's a guy they targeted and went after hard and got him. Mm. And they, they think he's, <clears throat> they watched, you know, every single one of his throws last season. They think he's got the moxie. Uh, they think he's got the mental capabilities, the, the, the poise to be a good quarterback in what they want to do. Um, they want a guy that's even keeled and Bo Nix wasn't always that guy. That's why there was some frustrations. I think last year with Harson and Nix is Bo was, you know, he was a roller coaster mm. and as good as Bo did on some games, that's not what they want. That's not what Brian Harson wants. He wants somebody that's reliable and they feel like Zach Calzada could be that guy. Uh, he didn't throw during the spring coming off that injury. Mm. Um, but every time we talked to Harson, he would make it a point to say, Hey, Zach can really spin it. You know, to kind of plug Zach, like, hey, don't don't not talk about him just because he's not practicing. Mm. Uh, I think he would be the favorite just because of the way they went after him. Mm. Um, but he's got to go do it. He's got to go do it. And so I, I think he's got probably the best talent, arm talent, um, and he's probably got the best poise and, and, and I would say mental um, sort of place as a quarterback where you want to be mentally. He's probably the ideal guy, but he's got to go out there and show he can do it. And then I would I would think – Somebody like Ashford, no matter what happens, somebody like Ashford could get in the game um, as a dual threat guy, maybe some zone read stuff at times. But I think Zach Calzadas, even though he didn't go through spring, I still think he's probably the favorite at this point. Mm. Yeah, Ashford, he seems like he's getting a lot of Joey Gatewood uh, comps pretty early on. Uh, and he's yeah. a Hoover kid, right? Hoover kid, plays baseball, mm-hmm. um, had a really good spring game. I handed it to him. He came out and he really did well. Um, and so, I mean, he's he can sling it. Um, he's just he's just young, he's just mm. young, and 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 we'll see what he's capable of. But he's such a good athlete that you got to figure you're going to get him in the game, figure out how to get him in, in tank in the game and do a zone read or a short yardage or, or so, something like that, some packages um, for him. Hmm. Is there anyone out wide who's going to pop? You think this fall? That's a huge question. I think it's the question on offense. I actually mm-hmm. don't even think it's the quarterback. I think yeah. it's the receivers. Um, I think whoever they get at quarterback kind of is what it's going to be. I mean, I, mm. I'm you know, Calzada's probably got the most upside, but receiver, you know, you've got Shedrick Jackson coming back, who's a reliable guy, um, good, good, good player, right? Good SEC receiver, but I wouldn't go any further than that. Um, and then past that, you have a lot of unknowns. You have a, you had a, you had a number of guys leave the program. Kobe Hudson was your leading receiver. He's gone to Central Florida. Um, you've got a guy like Xavion Capers come back who. Probably talent-wise, 
if you just looked at the roster, he'd be your guy that probably has the high, highest ceiling. He's probably mm-hmm. six two, six three, rangy guy, but super inconsistent. Um, you know, Demetrius Robertson's gone, and so then you got some young kind of you got some young um, smaller guys like Tavares Dawson, who's a fast, speedy guy. Javaris Johnson, Jay Fair. So you've got a, a, a number of guys that have ability, but they're all small. Mm-hmm. So there's only so many things those guys can do. Auburn doesn't have uh, that that six two type receiver unless it's going to be Xavion Capers or a freshman coming in like Camden Brown maybe. Um, and so that's where I think they're just lacking. They've got guys that they can get the ball to and maybe in some space, but where are the where are the chunk plays going to come from? Where are the big plays going to come from? If you're going to get to the better corners in the league, where's the separation come in? And if you can't create separation, you need a big bodied guy, and they don't necessarily have that. So. The tight ends are going to be a big part of the offense. All the tight mm-hmm. ends come back. Um, Landon King is an interesting guy um, who, who's a tight end, but is going to play slot receiver. He's really a big receiver. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that let's see how he develops. He could be kind of an X factor. But, yeah, the, the playmaking ability at receiver and Auburn's ability for chunk plays to get 20-plus yard plays is going to be the difference in what this offense does. They'll be okay running the football. It'll be pretty good. Not going to be great. be pretty good. Tight ends are reliable. But mm-hmm. if they don't find playmakers at receiver, then you're just going to clamp down on on tank, and you're going to clamp down on the offense, and and it, they're not going to do much against the better defenses unless they can take the top off. That's interesting. Do you think it helps just to have all Boise guys now? This thing, it seems like there's a lot more continuity, and there's not like a thrust of like, here's Derek Mason. Uh, he knows the SEC. Enjoy Brian Harson. Uh, do you think it? there is going to be some benefit to the continuity now or st- it seems like this is the kind of staff that Harson wants. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> I think it's closer. I mean, from what mm. I can tell, I think it's closer. I mean, look, last year you had Boise guys, mm. but you also had, um, you know, you had Derek Mason and, and, mm. and had some other guys, um, you know, you elevate Jeff Schmetting, who's mm. a Boise guy, you elevate him to DC. You elevate Eric Keysaw to OC. So mm-hmm. in that regard, now your coordinators are both guys that you that you brought with you that you right. trust. That's that'll help. And from what I can tell, you brought in Ike Hilliard at receivers. You mm-hmm. brought in Jimmy Brumball, who's an Auburn guy, played at Auburn, uh, to coach D line. And then you bring in Christian Robinson at linebackers. Um and so I think from what I can tell so far, I think those guys are buying in and meshing with the staff well. Um, in terms of, of what they want to do. You have somebody like Zach Etheridge who had some offers to go places and stayed. So I do think that the camaraderie on the coaching staff is in a, is in a better place. I do think mm-hmm. it's in a better place. I think last year was just – was tough, I think, for the, the Boise guys and the non-Boise guys trying to get used to Harson, especially Mason and those guys. I think um, having the coordinators in place that really trust Harson. That's big. I think that's big because it's going to go Harson coordinators and it's going to get passed down. And so mm. I think they're in a better situation to have continuity and trust um, among that coaching staff and then filter it down to the players. You've also got the leaders that come back, like John Samuel Shanker, Derek Hall, Colby Wooden. If those guys came back, that means they're cool with how Brian Harson ran the program and they're, they're fine with it. They didn't leave. Uh, so now you have those guys coming back and that they can filter it down. So I think the program as a whole is in a much better place to um, adjust to however Harson wants to run the program than they were last year. I think last year it was, I think behind the scenes, it was probably a mess. I think it was probably mm. more mess than we think in terms of people that like it, people that don't like yours, you know, just, I think it was probably all over the place. I think they're in a much better place um, off the field this year. 
do you think it was overblown at all the relationship between harson and mason um probably i mean i think in the end mason just you know he had some issues with with some things that harson did or mm-hmm. wanted to and and wanted out i mean I, probably overblown i think there's more of that that goes on than we know man there's probably mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes within a year a lot of arguments and fights and that we never hear about man um mm-hmm. them it's it's probably somewhat normal and just okay we'll move on and to us if we actually heard about it we think it's front page news yeah um, so probably overblown a little bit it just turned into a a difference of philosophies and a difference mm-hmm. of kind of how they want to do things and so mason mason uh it moved on and uh, you know it's a good job like that oklahoma state dc job i mean oklahoma state is dc country now like oklahoma state was like zach robinson that running gun air thing of the past we're playing ugly football and we're gonna go 10 and 2 every year and uh you're not gonna like it we're gonna make you eat your vegetables it does seem like a good fit for him and they just lost jim Knowles to ohio state and he got a big bump so um it's actually a pretty good career move so people are like oh oklahoma state why would you make that move it's like i think that's actually pretty good it's a pretty solid move little pay cut which yeah which you know really confirms that there were issues at Auburn. There were some things. Right. That, yeah, I, I can't be here anymore. Um, mm. You know, and so it is what it is. When you look at the schedule, uh, how do you feel? Uh, this, I think the over under for Auburn going in this year is what six, six and a half, something like six. that. Um, does that feel about right when you look at the schedule? Um, if you're going to set an over under, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would set it if I were if I were trying to get people to to bet on it. Um, I think what's crazy is Auburn has a really hard schedule. Yeah, I think ESPN said it was the toughest schedule. I mean, whatever. Um, I, it, it is. It's very difficult because you throw Penn State in there. Um, but I think there's some opportunities, too, because of the home schedule. Look, if you're Auburn, you're playing Alabama and Georgia this year. Those two teams are, are in a much better place than you are, okay? Mm-hmm. You play them on the road. So if you're going to lose those games, play them on the road and yeah. you know, lose. Okay, um, the home schedule provides Auburn with an opportunity to to surprise people. They start off with five straight home games. They play Mercer and San Jose State. Then they play Penn State. Then they play uh, Missouri and LSU to start conference play. Mm-hmm. So they have a real shot if they could if they beat Penn State. They go, they go into SEC play three and zero with real momentum. They play Missouri. You get past Missouri, then it's LSU becomes a monster game. Mm-hmm. You, get past LSU you're five and up um and now you've got all kinds of momentum and you still have A&M that's going to come to your place you have Arkansas that's going to come to your place um you have Western Kentucky well there's eight wins Mm. I mean if you can win at home and then of course you have Ole Miss and Mississippi State on the road who Auburn you know beat Ole Miss and had and was killing Mississippi State and then just collapsed so I would imagine going to those games it'll be kind of toss-up so I'm just saying the schedule's hard but the home schedule allows Auburn some opportunities for some upsets. Our upset Arkansas, upset Texas A&M, um, LSU and Penn State. There's if if they can play well at home, there's some opportunities there to get to. I mean, if, if you got eight, you got uh, eight home games. I guess it is mm. uh, win, win your home games and you can surpass that win total. So yeah, it's a hard schedule, but I think I think the home crowd and the home games give them a chance to to surpass that. Maybe get the seven maybe maybe flirt with eight depending on who they can then pull off the wins against uh we'll end on this so how is nil 
looking for Harson in this group? Are they where are they at with their NIL? Y'all do a great job over at On Three uh, tracking that, and obviously up here in Knoxville, Tennessee's doing doing pretty well uh, out the gate here. But how is uh, how is Auburn handling it to this point? Um, <clears throat> I think their approach is is a little different, maybe than some others. It sounds like um, hmm. they are um, they're not trying to make a big deal about it. Um, they're using it. It's being used in the background, but I think until we sort of figure out what's allowed and what's not allowed, I just, I don't think they're being as aggressive as they could be. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, they're, I would say they're still building it. You know, they built a collective NIL Auburn, Mm -hmm. uh, that recently got bought by some more influential people. So that was, it was a private company. And I think some more influential people at Auburn, bought it which is a good thing hmm. for all that's a good thing um and so i think let's see let's see a year from now sort of what it looks like in terms of nil and auburn and how they're how they're using it um but it's uh it's a factor but they're not it, the amount of money being poured into it is not the same as i think what's going on at a&m or tennessee or some other places at the moment let's see what happens when maybe there's some more clarity on uh what you can do and not do what you know just there's, I think there's some people, I don't know, this is, but I think there's some people that have probably gotten out in front of their skis a little bit. Hmm. Um, and, and so I think from talking to people at Auburn, I think there's a little bit of a, cons- a conservative approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is with Harson, with Harson, like let's say with, with football, um, you know, Harson's the kind of guy that if you walk in and I don't have every coach. I'm just Harson. If, if you walk in and one of the first things that you talk about is NIL, uh, I mean, I would, I'd be shocked if, if you're, I mean, Har- that's just not Harson's going to, it's going to turn him off and he's going to, mm. that's not him. If, if you want to come to Auburn and be a part of the program and all that, that's cool. And, and, and then come here and then we will provide you opportunities as well through NIL. But if, if, if he, he's not leading with NIL, he is not recruiting that way. He's not, he's not saying, Hey, look, Come to Auburn. Look, I know we got this NIL collective. We're gonna we're gonna hook you up. That is, he doesn't talk about that. That's a part of the equation down the road, mm-hmm. but that's not something he leads with. And and it's not something that if, if a player comes in, that's the first thing they ask about. They're probably not going to end up at Auburn unless unless it's just like literally one of the best players in the country, right? And you mm-hmm. make it. Um, and so that's that's going to be interesting right now going on too. I mean, some coaches might say, "Forget that. I'm going to take advantage of NIL, and if you want to come, I'll deal with it. If you come because of NIL." And I, it's just my job to acclimate you to the program and make sure right. you're good suit on the backside. So, so every coach is going to treat it differently, but that's kind of how Harson's treating it. So I don't, you're not going to hear a ton right now. I think about Auburn landing some big football kids because of NIL. Cause that's just, I don't think he wants right now. It's not the kid he wants in the program because he's worried mm-hmm. about how's he going to vibe. Is he, is he going to do what we ask him to do? If, or if he's only coming for NIL, how do I acclimate him to the program? How do I make sure that he's, everything we want him to be accountable discipline and all that stuff if it's all about nil so i think harson's just sort of a hardliner right now when it comes to that so just a that's difficult- interesting i just feel like this co- like it's one of those you got to get used to because i mean nfl coaches hey you know everyone in the building they're there to pay their to feed their family to take care of their family they're here to do a job <laughs> like it uh, some guys make more than others and they do that every day. They manage uh, egos and money, and I don't know. It, it can be done. So when coaches in college are – like, I understand it's a quick learning curve, and it makes things complicated, but 
when I've heard different coaches talk about that and kind of complain, I'm like, well, NFL coaches do this every single day, and it's it's nothing new that uh, it, it can be done, essentially. It can be done and done really well. Uh, it just you have to adjust a little bit, and I think we'll just yeah. see more young coaches. It's more of a young man's game now, and I think uh, that's just part of it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you, you hear coaches now. I, I couldn't imagine being a coach in college football right now. I mean, I, yeah. the, the, the demands on them time-wise um, – are just crazy, especially yeah. now head coach, because he's going to be the one that's probably going to be more involved in NIL deals and stuff like that. But it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's wild. So we'll see if they get through this year. We'll see what NIL looks like going into the next year. Do coaches kind of, do, 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 do strategies change, things like that. Yeah. Everybody's gobbling up the best players and your strategy is, well, we want guys that are hard workers. And if you come talk about NIL, okay, well, let's see how that goes for another year. And if you find yourself falling behind and saying, look, we, we have to, we have to placate a little bit. We got to play the game a little bit here. Mm-hmm. See if we'll see if the things you know change. Yeah, I mean the staffs are going to have to continue to rise. I think Napier put he has like what sixty five people down there in Gainesville. Like he was just like I'm just all kinds of staff, whatever it means. But I mean, I think that's something that you might have to do as an administration now because burnout is just going to be a thing. And if you don't jam pack this staff with people who can make the head coach's life easier. Yeah. The burnout is just going to be insane. Like you've got to expand and uh, people are going to see the number of coaches and people in the building for these football operations. But it's like, man, I don't know how they do it. Like I, I genuinely do not know how they uh, they keep it together from 430 a.m. to 1130 at night every night. Like it's just it's a crazy job. It's uh, that's the one difference in the NFL. It's just it's a lot more round the clock and a lot more stuff you have to deal with. Justin, what can the good folks check out from you and on three and Auburn live? Yeah, AuburnLive.com for any Auburn fans that might be watching it. Um, but on three, especially on three sports, is doing a lot of awesome stuff, especially on the recruiting side, the database side. There's a lot of cool data that they're doing and the way they're they're sort of structuring the, the football and basketball recruiting databases. So um, if you're a college fan, if you're a Tennessee fan, um, I can tell you, I guess you're a Tennessee podcast, so most of the people are Tennessee fans. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I'm, I cover everything nationally, but Tennessee, okay. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so so just I would I would tell to Tennessee people that are watching you mm. pay pay attention to on three um, from the Tennessee side. Big things are happening there. Um, they're they're going to have a monster Tennessee site. Um, okay, pretty soon, pretty soon. So if you're a Tennessee fan, just wait till the fall. They're going to have a monster. Um, there you go. Yeah, they're, they're on three. They're just a lot of good, a lot of good things going on, especially from the recruiting side. Um, they have a national news desk. It's pretty cool. Mm. It's kind of like Yahoo's type of deal. So. Really enjoy being back in it. I've been at Rivals. I've been at twenty four seven. What on three is doing is um, is is really cool and, and and different. It really goes back to the original days of Rivals when it there was a lot of rather innovative things happening. So mm. it's fun. It's cool. I agree, and it's a great thing. I check it every day. Uh, the NIL, the transfer stuff. It's it's yeah. very good, very clean, very easy to use. And I I need it because uh, the transfer portal and everything else is a mess, and it's a lot yeah. to keep up with. And you yeah. need uh, uh, clean sites like that to keep up with it because it's extremely difficult to cover college football in 2022. Justin, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it, and we'll have to check back in again soon. All right, thanks, man.
All right, that'll do it for uh, the Saturday, May 28th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to uh, Justin for coming on part three here to talk all things Auburn. Hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. It was great, and I learned a lot. Hope you did too. And if you did and you enjoyed it, make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps other people find the show, and it helps this show continue to grow. Uh, go ahead and uh, check out all of our great podcasts across the Blue Wire Pod network over at bluewirepods.com. Just an unbelievable uh, collection of podcasts that you should check out today if you have not already done so. Um, This will be the last pod until Monday, or I guess we'll tape it on Monday, but it'll be up on Tuesday after the holiday. Um, Just with uh, uh, the holiday weekend, and I got family in town, and uh, just a lot going on. So Tennessee baseball, hopefully wrapping up an SEC tournament victory uh, as the Tennessee Vols face off with either Kentucky or LSU later today. We'll see uh, who that actually is, but I want to kind of take a little bit of a breather here uh, with the holiday weekend and be ready to go and energized uh, after Monday. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, all these different pods, a lot of pods this week. So a lot of different things, uh, different episodes you can catch up on uh, the next couple days uh, before all new content coming out next week. Got some big time guests coming up. Really, really excited for the summer and uh, what's, what's happening here on the podcast. So very excited um, for everything moving forward here on the Chase Homes Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. So uh, that is the end of my spiel. And we'll talk to you all in a couple days. Uncle Derek, how to do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.